Baldry's Beat, Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Okay, my first guest this morning was Leonard Krogh, yes. the Nanaimo mayor. And the housing minister was up there yesterday. They announced 100 uh, housing units for the homeless up there. They have had a terrible time with encampments, mm-hmm. crime, mental, untreated mental illness on the streets. And he was, okay, yeah, this is going to help. It's not going to solve everything. A lot of people not happy there, too, because a lot of people in that community wanted more help. And we got into the whole issue of this secure involuntary care idea, which he continues to advocate for, right? Yeah. What do you think? What is that, by the way? That's like when you someone is committed, basically, under the Mental Health Act. Yeah, so uh, uh, being considered to be a threat to themselves or to other people. Right. Because yeah. of mental health issues. Yeah. Um, this used to be the case. Uh, Premier David Eby mused about it when he first came in office, but has gone a little quiet about that. Kevin Falcon's been much more out there, the leader of the BC United, in terms of advocating this policy. Interesting, Leonard Krogh, former longtime NDP MLA, has proven to be a articulate thorn in the side of the government when it comes to issues like this. He's been very critical of the unintended uh, consequences of decriminalization, of uh, homelessness, basically saying the government's not moving fast enough on some to solve some of these problems. Now he's talking about involuntary care, which is something again Evie raised as a possibility of the government supporting. But I have talked to some number of people in the government who say Chief Justice Hinkson's ruling on tossing out the the uh, crackdown on on uh, drug use in public pl- places yeah. may color where the judiciary is headed on some of these other issues that are related to this, which is involuntary care. But it could be struck down by the courts. Yeah, I think there's mm. now an apprehension in the government that some of, these, some of these reforms or policies may go sideways with some court rulings. Yeah. Let's have a listen to him here. Nanaimo Mayor Leonard Krogh, here he is speaking on this precise point about secure involuntary care. Let's listen. As I say over and over again, no one's asking for a return to, you know, one floor with a cuckoo's nest and nurse ratchet. But smaller, secure facilities in communities so that people would have access to their families, to their loved ones, uh, should be the norm for care in our province. Well, easier. Yeah, I think a lot of people share that sentiment. Yeah, a lot of people are nodding, saying, yes, Uh, you're right. Okay, secure facilities. So that means building facilities. Yeah. This is easier said than done. I mean, a lot of people think you just wave a magic wand and poof, all these facilities appear. No, capital projects take a long time. So we're talking about building new facilities. So this is the beginning of a conversation rather than midway through it. It's gonna, it would take time, I think. So you're going to need security? This is secure care we're talking about. Yeah. You're not allowed to come and go as, as which, you want. Which involves staff. Well, yeah. involves security staff. Yeah. involves train staff. Yeah. Building a building. Building yeah. a capital. This is not an overnight solution. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we continue to follow that closely. Premier David Eby in Ottawa this week, and one of the items on his agenda is pressing the feds for this promised money for flood mitigation, especially in Abbotsford. Again, we see more flooding this week and maybe more flooding to come, and he's asking Ottawa for help. They promised the help. Here's Eby. Let's listen. We do want to see the, the federal government uh, show up at the table with the money uh, to uh, make real their commitments around this area. Show me the money. I'm Where's shocked, the money? I'm shocked that a premier would be in Ottawa and ask the federal government for money. That's, that's the purpose of going to Ottawa, <laughs> isn't it? the main reason, yeah. yeah. So 
Yeah, the, the feds are supposed to be at the table with money. I mean, there is this, this program where the feds do fund uh, a lot of the uh, measures, but they're looking for mitigation money to yes. prevent this from happening in the future. Yeah. That's a different story. Um, but, yeah, what better time to ask the feds for money when you're actually in Ottawa yeah. meeting with uh, with federal officials. And, again, you know, it reminds me a bit of um, when the town of Lytton burned down and the federal government was all over it saying, don't worry, we got your back, we're going to help you. And then years later, nothing seems mm-hmm. to be getting done. In this case, if you go back to the the flood, the terrible, disastrous flooding we saw during the, uh, um, the atmospheric river event uh, a couple of years ago, and Trudeau was out here, of course, doing his photo ops and walking around and looking at the damage and saying, don't worry, we've got your back, we're promising you. And then you hear the mayor saying, we're still waiting. Like, where's our help here? Yeah, federal bureaucracy moves very slowly, it seems. Uh, it was interesting that um, on the shopping list of David Eby in Ottawa, we didn't have flood mitigation money necessarily at the top, but that's what emerged. What else is he looking for? Well, they're always looking, I mean, looking for the feds always to be a partner in infrastructure projects. So the Fed, they, all the provinces are looking for more money for infrastructure, particularly, again, the huge immigration levels that the federal government set in motion yeah. puts enormous pressure on the provinces, particularly in urban centers, when it comes to infrastructure, uh, ramped up use of health care services, ramped up use of roads and highways because they're just... Housing. Housing. Yeah. Um looking for the feds to be more active on that file. It's a it's a conversation that's been going on for a couple of years and doesn't look like there's been much progress. Speaking of immigration, one of the big items uh, this week has been this crackdown on international students. Mm-hmm. So we saw the federal government 35% reduction on international student visas. And then this week we saw the provincial response as well. So Selena Robinson here, the Minister of Post-Secondary Education, here she is with this crackdown on private schools that are aimed at international students. Let's listen. We've been hearing about poor quality education, a lack of instructors, um, and even scaring away students from lodging formal complaints. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, these these ghost schools have sprung up. Yeah. People... Schools, schools with no students. <laughs> no students, no attendance. Yeah. They did, but they use the student uh, application visa f- form as an entry point into Canada. It's an immigration, backdoor immigration yeah. thing, yeah. right? So there's yeah. a crackdown. It's going to, you know... I don't think it's going to affect the UBC and SFU yet. We don't know. We're still uh, the government. Well, still, they get a lot of money from international students, they though, do, right? But they go to school. So yeah. it's these private schools that are these satellite operations, these ghost schools that have no real students or instructors. Yeah. That's where the crackdown is going to come. But you're yeah. right. Uh, UBC, SFU, uh, UVic rely tremendously on foreign students, and they pay a premium. They pay way more than than. Um, Canadian citizens in terms of immigration. So that's a revenue stream that the provincial government does not want to see cut off because yeah. the government then would have to step in and fund that revenue stream. This has been an an unlimited program up until very recently. This yeah. is why you've seen like a massive surge. There are 900,000 international students in Canada last year. And I'm listening to the federal minister, Mark Miller, and then and now the provincial minister here, Selena Robinson, both going, whoa, we got, we got big problems here. We got to fix this. How long have you guys been in power? I mean, it's basically the, the, these are problems of your own creation. Yeah, the federal liberals are just waking up to the to yeah. the alarms that have been. Well, they both by, are, aren't they? By, by both the, levels of government. Well, I think the the well, the provinces have been pretty clear for a couple of years now. The immigration levels were too high, yeah. so that's that's not an. They've been at it in previous conferences for a couple of years. The feds are now just waking up to the fact that this is causing some unintended consequences again. 
um, with this enormous pressure on uh, on uh, healthcare in particular. I, you and I have talked about this before. I reported a couple weeks ago that the number of people who have joined the medical services plan over the last two years has been almost 350,000 people, not including this year. This year we'll probably take it to half a million people. That's a half a million more people, uh, which are largely because of immigration, putting pressure, potentially putting pressure. Not everyone joins the MSP plan, uses MSP. You can go but we're seeing pressure now, as you've reported, yeah. we got record high numbers of people in hospital. hospital we were, you know, having 10,000 people in a hospital bed used to be a rarity. Yeah. Right now it's normal. Yeah. Um, so it, it, before in the summer, hospital bed occupancy would, would drop significantly. That didn't happen last summer. Yeah. It stayed very high, and that's a reflection of the higher population, which is why you're seeing more hospital beds being created in facilities because just to match the, the population growth. And that's just healthcare; doesn't include other pressures on infrastructure, housing in particular. Housing yeah. and healthcare are the two biggest cost uh, pressures points when it comes to high immigration sure. levels. Education and, too, schools. International students are, are tied to that, yeah. uh, which is why, again, you're seeing this belated crackdown. The liberals are sort of slowly getting their heads back in the game as an election approaches, yeah. but they've been maddeningly slow from the Premier's point of view. Okay, speaking of unintended consequences, I thought this was interesting from EB yesterday as well. He was saying, yes, you know, this is a problem. We need to bring in restrictions on international students, but he was like, don't go too far here mm -hmm. because he's saying he wanted specific carve-outs and exemptions for international students that are coming here to be trained to fill badly needed jobs. So here's what he had to say yesterday. I'll get your thoughts. Uh, training uh, LPNs, uh, the nurses who work in long-term care facilities, for example, uh, and support our health care system. Uh, training for daycare workers, child care workers. Yeah, yeah. So BC needs, uh, according to the Ministry of Health projections, more than to hire more than thirty thousand people in health care in the next five years. They're not all going to come from Canadian universities and colleges. It just the, the numbers just don't work. They need foreign workers in those areas. And that's, that's what the federal government says that's what they're trying to do with these huge immigration numbers is to uh, yes. fill these unfunded work uh, shortages. Right. But this is a specific targeted area where BC has made the pitch that they really need foreign workers to fill a lot of these jobs. It's Baldry's Beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Chris and Langley. Hi, Chris. Go ahead. Hey guys, I'm glad you guys are finally focusing in on the uh, immigration issue, you know, with schools, overcrowded schools, uh, hospitals, overcrowded hospitals, lack of doctors because of the overcrowded hospitals, housing, the price of housing, the lack of housing, all this comes down to immigration. And all I hear about is how the jobs, we need them for the jobs, we need them for the jobs. Look, I, I, I've been looking for, for years now for, to change my career and look for something new. And everything requires lots of schooling and and nobody wants to train you you need three four years experience for jobs that you can barely survive you know like i can get a job sure minimum wage i won't be able to survive so if you're going to give those jobs to people in immigration they're going to rely more on services going to be higher uh, taxes i mean it seems like we're putting the cart before the horse we don't put any uh thought into setting up all this infrastructure to bring people in we bring them in we create all these problems and then we're trying to figure out how to fix them and then we save yeah. jobs. Nobody wants okay. to train, and that, and that drives me. The fact that you have to have two, three, four years' experience for just a, 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 a mid-of-the-road job pays 25 bucks an hour. Thank you, Chris, for the call. Well, I think an argument can be made. There was not a lot of foresight planning when the Fed started to 
ramp up the numbers. Oh, yeah. It, it, there wasn't a lot of uh, attention paid to how much training programs there were. Well, I was listening to Selena Robinson this week, and she's saying, well, one of the things we're going to do with these schools now is we're going to make sure that they're training people for jobs that we actually need in our economy. And I was like, weren't you doing that already? Yeah. So again, why, why are we, <laughs> why are why are we, we doing, doing that now? now? You know, the call is right. I mean, it's been late for governments to wake up to the magnitude yeah. of the problems created. Well, I think, was there a blind, was there turning a blind eye factor to this? I mean, we got these international students, they bring in a ton of money, mm -hmm. okay, the tuitions are expensive. Yep. They're filling jobs and, and service areas that are in short supply, yep. right? So I think that for a long time it was like, you know, we just let this happen. Well, yeah, because they filled a hole, well, particularly yeah. when it comes to revenue. What yeah. I fear, though, is I hope we don't get an anti-immigration backlash. Well, that's right. Um, for... Yeah. Again, that could that could become fairly ugly. Yeah, I agree with you, Bridget in Port Moody. Hi. Well, hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. Just a few points. I want yeah. to say that mental health act should cover people. They should be forced into care. It's costing us a lot for them to be on the street, and it costs us less to care for them. And as brutal as that act is, we need to um, have it around for people who can't care for themselves. And also about the cars, where the heck is the electricity going to come from? And another point is Trudeau has absolutely ruined Canada. Student visas is a scam. It's a way to get into Canada, and we should only let skilled workers like Australia and New Zealand do. We should only let skilled workers into countries. I'm a skilled worker, and I can go to any country, but I'm skilled. And they need okay, that. Okay. So we only need to bring in people we need. Thank you. Yeah, so Australia has cut back on its immigration levels for mm. precisely that reason. They want skilled workers only. Um, Bridget hit on a number of points. Where does electricity come from? You and I have talked about that many times. Well, we talked we talked earlier about the climate change plan here. Jay. I, you heard, know, the, I the, heard you interviewed Josie Osborne, the energy minister. Yeah, she was on yesterday. I had Ken Peacock on today from the Business Council, and we talked about you know reducing greenhouse gas emissions by forty percent in six very years. Very ambitious like, targets. Very ambitious. I've been a like fantasy land, day, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I've been a skeptic from day one. I just don't see. The average human being curbing their their behavior by that extent. Well, also industry. How are you going to? And yeah. then we got into the economic impact of it. And where does the electricity come yeah. right come from? So we're we're still waiting for BC Hydro's power call. It's going to come this spring. It's yeah. going to be primarily wind power, yeah. and that's a new experiment. Yeah, largely. Chrissy in Nanaimo. Hi, Chrissy. Go ahead. We got thirty hey, seconds good here. I'm just Hi. calling uh, about involuntary care. I'm a small business owner downtown Nanaimo, and it is, uh, it's really sad to see the people that are incapacitated, that can't walk, they can't do anything for themselves anymore, they're covered in feces, they, they can't even make it to the showers, they can't make it to the shelters. What we're doing here is completely inhumane, and it needs to be fixed. This government is out of their mind for allowing this to continue for as long as they have. Chrissy, thank you for the call. You know, she describes someone that probably a lot of us have seen similar on the streets, and you'd think that someone who fits that profile would be eligible for meet the criteria of the BC Mental Health Act well, to be committed right now. I think the pendulum is swinging that way. I think public sentiment is swinging that way. To, to You know, in Victoria here... Pandora Avenue is the downtown oh, yeah. east side. I, last time I drove it, people were just walking out in front of cars oh, yeah. uh, and risking getting killed. And that's happening on an hourly basis there.